Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. Here we are again. We've been on the road. We are stationary at the moment, but we have a lot of children and grandchildren with us this week, which is exciting. It is indeed, and we've also been on the Internet a lot and working on various articles. In fact, we're going to start off today talking a little about a an article we put in the Deseret News in Salt Lake City about a week ago commenting on another article, one that got over a million hits, uh, an online article, an online version of an Atlantic Magazine article by Anne Marie Slaughter, which deals with the old feminist mantra of, can you have it all? Or you can have it all is actually the mantra. And and this interesting article in Atlantic essentially says, no, guess what? You really can't have it all. There are trade-offs. And if we tell ourselves or tell the next generation that you can have it all, meaning you can have a career, be on the fast track, get promoted, get the raises you want, excel in your profession on every level, and raise a family at the same time, be an active parent, uh, be involved with your children, with their education, and so on, and do all the other things you might want to do, Linda, whether it's, uh, you know, politics or women's affairs or compassionate service or whatever it is. Our church service, which takes a lot of time also, community service. And her answer is, let's let's quit kidding ourselves. There are trade-offs, and, and what we have to do is make decisions about what to prioritize at any given time in our life, and then we have to do it. And if we think we can do it all and do it all well and excel at all of it, we're probably going to kill ourselves. Well, it really is quite amazing that you can't, I don't know, um, having nine children uh, was a crazy <laughs> We experience. certainly didn't have it all. <laughs> uh, we did not have it all, and... Uh, we knew it, and we knew there were a time in life when we were going to be mostly dedicated to our family and then another time in life when we would do a career. Now, that doesn't always work if you're a doctor or a dentist, although, well, we can talk about some solutions as we go on a little bit in the show, but um, I don't know. It's really difficult to say you can't have it all because people think they really can. But in the bottom line, really, of these articles that we've been reading, and there have been so many just all of a sudden a flurry of them, um, it's gone by before, but this one seems to be more strident, and that is you really just can't have it all. Well, and there, you know, the other, the other tack that some of the, and maybe some of you listeners have been aware that this, there's been kind of this flurry lately, and the other, the other tack or the other approach is the one where people are, sort of commenting from the vantage point of, um, you know, are you a person who can spread yourself that thin? And are you a person who is content to be ordinary? That That's sort of the other approach. There have been a lot of articles on, in fact, there was a, a, a commencement address delivered this past spring or early summer by a very interesting guy named McCullough, who is actually the son of the great historian. Uh, David McCullough. David McCullough. In fact, I think this is David McCullough yeah. Jr. I think it is. And the title of his talk was, No, You Are Not Special. <laughs> and and it was sort of the 
the, the, the child equivalent of the parent wanting to have it all, the child thinking you're special and you, you know, you get a trophy for everything you do and, uh, you, there's no one that's ordinary. Everyone is special. The funny thing is we really believe that all children are special, but that they all have very, very different gifts and they're certainly not at all special in becoming an A student all the time or being a, a Fulbright scholar or, you know, being the all-star on the uh, baseball team or whatever. And and his whole point in graduation was be a little more content with being ordinary. Ordinary is not such a bad thing. <laughs> and there's some truth in that, Linda. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you can call it either way, but it is pretty hilarious that we as Americans especially, I think, because um, we have a European grand uh, daughter-in-law who thinks it's just crazy that Americans are out telling their children that they are so important and so special and there is nothing they could do that would be wrong. <laughs> so kind of combining these two approaches that various online writers are getting millions of hits on over the last couple of weeks, it's sort of, let's make it a little more personal. It's like, okay, you're a parent and you are a type A personality or at least you're a relatively aggressive person and you want to do your best and so what's your situation right now well you're trying to have it all and you've been told by sort of feminist uh, approaches to life for many years yes you can have it all so you're trying to have it all you're trying to do it all at once and you also by the way want to have kids who excel at everything who are straight-A students, who do well in all their extracurricular activities, who can play their instrument, who go to all their sports lessons, and you always want them to be the best of all the kids that are there. What is that doing to you as a parent, and what is that doing to your children? Are the expectations so high on both your part as a parent and on the part of those kids that you essentially start feeling like a failure when it turns out that a lot of what you're doing is fairly ordinary and a lot of what the child is doing and a lot of his skill levels are fairly ordinary rather than exceptional. Can you live with that or have we got to a point in our society where anything other than exceptionalism is failure? Well, as a mother, I have to say that most of what you do every day is a routine, unordinary uh, jobs. Um, Very ordinary. Doing mean. the dishes to the washing yeah. to the clean up the messes and so on and so on. I mean, no mother feels really extraordinary when they're doing that. Um, but they still feel that they need to do something extraordinary outside of what it is that they're doing with their family. And sometimes we just need to settle in and realize, you know what, there's only so much you can do in a day. And you just have to be happy with being totally ordinary or worse than ordinary. <laughs> let, me, let me read you a little more of this, a couple of quotes from this article that kind of started it all off. And by the way, this Anne-Marie Slaughter is, writes from an interesting perspective because she's the first woman director of policy planning at the State Department. So she has a very high-level um, government job. And she starts off her article telling of an evening when she was having a hard time enjoying a very sort of elite Washington social event. And the reason she was having a hard time enjoying it, even though she was rubbing shoulders with the rich and the famous, so to speak, is because 
she had a teenage son who needed her that night, and she knew that this boy needed her. And so here's a little quote from her. She says, as the evening wore on, I ran into a colleague who held a senior position in the White House. She has two sons, exactly my son's age, but she had chosen to move them from California to Washington, D.C. when she got her job, which meant her husband commuted back and forth to California regularly where his job was. I told her how difficult I was finding it to be away from my son when he clearly needed me. Then I said to her, when this job is over, I'm going to write an op-ed titled, Women Can't Have It All. And so this is sort of, she's doing it. She's writing this article now in, in, uh, in this magazine. And one of the things she says, Linda, is, you know, a, a sort of a modified version of the, the feminist mantra is, you can have it all, you just can't have it all at the same time. And, and that, that's a, a kind of a phrase that I have a lot of empathy with. I mean, I think there are women who I've known, and you have too, Linda, probably better than I, who have essentially said, okay, I am going to now take the time to be at home with my small children until they get into school. It may cost me in terms of my career, but I'm going to put my career on hold until I feel like I can go to work without sacrificing the welfare of my children. And you see, what, what her point is, is, yeah, but that's still a fallacy because you're, making, you're now acknowledging some of those compromises. You're saying, I can have it all, but I can't have it all at the same time, so I'm going to stand with my kids for a certain number of years. Then I'm going to go back to my career. But I acknowledge I'm going to be set way back. I'm not going to be on the same fast track I was on when I decided to take time out of my career. But, but our point, our, our feeling is, good for you. You did the most important thing at the most important time, and you're going to have to accept the trade-offs. You know, I think it's so interesting because everybody decides what to trade off. And, and we, just because we're family people, of course would say our children are our first priority. And you're mentioning this woman reminded me of a dinner party we went to one time in, in D.C. when we were living there. And this woman that I talked to sat by me and was dying about how horrible her teenagers were. She said, they are just incorrigible. I am sending them to boarding school. And then she went on and on about her dogs, about how much she loved her dogs. And she had this, these <laughs> portraits of these two dogs over her fireplace. She showed me a picture of them above her fireplace. Well, no wonder her teenagers were a little bit incorrigible because she had decided if she can't have it all, she was going to give up the kids and take the dogs. You know, you do have to figure out what it is that you're going to give up because it is really stressful. Sometimes you give up your sanity uh, just trying to keep up with everything, trying to think you have to have it all. Well, and I think our point is that it's okay to give some things up. In fact, there's another name for that, and the name is sacrifice. And if we're not willing to sacrifice certain things in order to be good parents, to have a good family, to try to create a strong and stable home then we're probably not ever going to have one. And uh, I, I love this article because basically what this woman is saying, uh, who, who again had a high State Department uh, job, she's essentially saying let's quit lying to ourselves and let's quit lying to the next generation and telling them that they can have it all. But and, and, and she sort of hints at maybe we can define ourselves a little bit by other things than just our job 
And so, you know, she's doing a good job on that. But then, as you read the article, you can sort of tell that Ms. Slaughter, while admirably trying to prioritize her family, still defines herself largely by her professional accomplishments. Yeah, there's, I know that too. Yeah, there, there's one yeah. point in the article where she says, by the way, I have not exactly, let, this is after she'd left her job in the State Department so she could spend more time with this, these two teenage boys who needed her, which we think is very admirable. But then she feels the need to clarify, but I have not exactly left the ranks of full-time career women. I teach a full course load at the university where I'm a professor. Professor, I write regular print and online columns on foreign policy. I give 40 to 50 speeches a year. I appear regularly on TV and radio, and I'm working on a new academic book. <laughs> so, so even though she's just spent most of the article saying, you know, I've decided to leave my position so I could be home more with my boys, she feels compelled to say, but by the way, I still am pretty good professionally. And, and I think what we all need to try to do is to say, you know, maybe I don't care how good I am professionally for a few years. I'm going to do other things. Well, we'll be back in just a minute to continue this and then hop into a little another subject. So we hope you'll hang on and join us then. So we're back after the break. And, Linda, I've got another little subject I want to introduce to our listeners. But before I do, anything you want to do to summarize, where, where do we really come out on this business of having it all? How would you summarize our own personal position on it? Well, I think for me it is how stressful life is for you. Um, there are times that are more stressful than others, but I remember when our kids were home, I woke up every morning thinking, life is not supposed to be lived like this. I don't know how I'm going to survive this day. We had 23 lessons every week to get the kids to, just one small little thing among the other things, doctor appointments, all that stuff. And I think it's so important to uh, survey your life and figure out what is causing the most stress and then to create what our girls and uh, and their friends have started calling margins. You know, when you write on a piece of paper, there's always margins, which gives you some comfort, you know, because there are, there's an area where nothing happens. And I think that it's so important to think about as a mother especially, and as a dad too, when you're in a busy, busy situation, you need some margins. You need some places where you can rest. You need some places where you can meditate and really think about the future and, or the past or what you really want for yourself because sometimes it's just a matter of survival. So, you know, having it all or not, you are always got to be we've got to always be aware of the stress level that we have and try to calm that down and create some margins well that's good honey and i think we will return to this subject a little bit more next week because this flurry on the internet is still going on and we're doing some writing about sort of an anti-position to having it all and uh, we'll revisit this a little bit more next week but one other thing we wanted to get to today because of its timeliness We've just celebrated the 4th of July. Um, many uh, listeners who, um, who have pioneer ancestors in our part of the country will be celebrating another sort of equally important holiday uh, on the 24th of July, Pioneer Day, celebrating those who came across the plains and got us here and so on. And, and so the point is we hear a lot this month of July uh, on patriotism. We hear it at church. We hear it in civic meetings. We hear it in the media. 
and and it's a wonderful thing to be a patriotic American, no question about it. But we do have one little worry, and I want to just bring it up. And again, we're not trying to to have everyone love us on this show. We're trying to give our honest opinions, and some may disagree. But I think there's a danger sometimes. You may not fall into this problem, but we see occasionally a little bit of a danger in a bit of a confusion between patriotism and nationalism. Let me explain that just briefly, and then Linda can probably explain it even better. Um, we think it's fan- you know we were we happened to be in up in a little town in Idaho on the Fourth of July, and there was a parade, and there was a wonderful little program of patriotic music. Now, and, uh, wait a minute. It wasn't just any little town. This well, is my yeah, this home is your, country. This is your home country. This is, I was born in Montpelier, Idaho, and every year, for as long as I could remember, we went to Paris to see the check wagon breakfast, Idaho, the parade, Paris, the musical program, and the historic tabernacle. It absolutely was fantastic, and every year it is, and it just it awakens feelings that you kind of forget in between, in between holidays. Yeah, Paris, Idaho, that is, not Paris, France. There's a little town, Paris, Idaho, and that's where we saw this parade and had this wonderful patriotic program, and it was great. I'm all for that. I mean, what could be better than being proud to be an American and being thankful for the freedoms we have, for the Constitution, for the Founding Fathers, and so on? The, The little concern I have is occasionally you sort of sense that it's lapping over into something that for want of a better word I call nationalism, which is the sentiment that, you know what, because we're Americans, we're better than anyone else. Because we have this freedom and this country of ours, we're superior to other people. And you just see that creeping in a little now and then. I, I think if you're not careful, it can creep into the immigration debate. And I'm not trying to take a position here on the air on a parenting show on immigration, but when I hear someone say, you know, let them stay in their own country. We're, we're Americans. They don't have any right to come here. And you, when you hear some of those extreme positions, then you wonder if people realize that we're all descendants of immigrants in this country and that uh, the beautiful thing about America is that it's a melding point of many different cultures and many different people. And I guess what I'm saying, let me try to be a little more clear. I think there's something, there's a wonderful feeling of of love for America, and then it can go in one of two ways. If it branches the right way, what it causes is feelings of humility and gratitude and how blessed we are and how thankful we should be, really through no effort of our own, for inheriting this wonderful country, which not only is free and and has the greatest constitution on earth, but is the most beautiful uh, from sea to shining sea and all that. And that, that when it branches that direction, I'm all for it. When it branches a little bit in the other direction of superiority and, uh, you know, they can't teach us anything because they're not Americans, and we do things here better than people do them in other countries. And so on. then it gets dangerous. And it get and why are we saying this on a parenting show? Because it gets dangerous for our children. If children are, you know, if what they hear from us as parents is 
sort of a feeling of superiority and how great we are because we're Americans. That that is only a step away from prejudice. That's only a step away from bigotry, from saying you know we're better than other people, and that gets very very dangerous, especially for people who believe in God and who believe that all human beings are children of God and therefore brothers and sisters. And because you were lucky enough to be born in this country and someone else was born in Mexico or maybe was born in the third world somewhere, maybe was born in very difficult circumstances, again, our feelings and what we ought to be teaching our children is we're so blessed, but we need to try to extend those blessings to other people. And we need to understand that they deserve good things and a good life as much as we deserve it. You know, I have to say that I, I have, we, we really believe that our, some of our best friends right now are Mexicans. <laughs> I think you'll agree with that, Richard. Uh, I sure I mean, will. not only I because sure we agree. visited Mexico City this year and were hosted by the most fabulous people there. Oh, they were so wonderful and open and caring and wonderful families. And we had dinner at a beautiful home with seven courses by this gourmet cook who was the hostess who um, was absolutely incredible. We were so impressed. Um, two of the moms had been models, but then speaking of having it all, they'd come home to be with their kids, and they, it was just an a overjoying experience. But Well, and I, you might, might even extend it a little further, really make it extreme. Uh, you know, we also, uh, this just this past year, have developed some very wonderful uh, friends who who are Muslims, who are who believe in Islam, and uh, you know, some would say, "Well, now there you go. Now you're now you've gone too far. Those people are not Americans. They are anti-Americans. Absolute nonsense. They get a bad rap for some of their extremists, just like we do. And and I, oh, I guess all we're saying, we don't want to make this a soapbox, but we're just saying, look, let's all let's all appreciate what we have and and it, i think it's fine to say i am so blessed that i was born in this country and that i have the religious heritage that i do and the the political heritage that i do that's wonderful just don't let it go and don't let your children see it going beyond that to where it starts sounding like you think one group of people is inherently better than another group of people. Well, I just get so sad when we have this darling Mexican family that lives right near us, just across the street, and uh, they help us so much. They um, are ready to do anything. They help us build the house, first of all, and now they know the house so well. But anything that goes wrong, they're there to help us with. She is such a wonderful person, too darling little girls and i get so sad when people are mean to them i mean once in a while uh, the dad will mention that they wouldn't let him buy something at, at home depot you know obviously because he was mexican or that a police officer came and put a ticket on his ticket on his car while he was sitting in it and um you well know. there's an even more dramatic story he was at one at our home one day when we were not there and, and we'd asked him to do a couple of things there and, and pick up something for us. And uh, the neighbors, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental. May, maybe the neighbor who made the call, a neighbor called the police and said, you know, there, there's some Mexicans uh, at the Ayers' house. 
and and maybe that neighbor was just maybe they really did think there was a robbery going on or something but you have to wonder if they'd have made the call if they hadn't been mexicans and and i, I don't even know which neighbor it was i don't want to know but uh, the point is uh, you know you're all with us you listeners understand what we're saying let's let's keep our patriotism patriotism in the realm of gratitude and not ever let it slip into the realm of uh, of prejudice in in any way i mean nationalism is a bad bad thing it was nationalism not patriotism but nationalism that infused hitler's germany and started world war 2 anytime people start saying we're the superior people we should be able to tell other people what to do then we're all in trouble we're all in trouble together and and i i think that's probably enough said i just wanted to get that off my chest i know i know you feel very strongly about that and so do i but i have to wrap it up by saying what a wonderful day that was on the 4th of july for me to go back to my home country we hadn't been there for a long time and to just go back to my roots and see all those wonderful people who gathered up musical talent from all over the valley and you know produced this wonderful patriotic music which just touched everybody in that building and in a historic building i mean i had ancestors who built that building in fact one of them fell off the roof and died while they were building it it was such a thrill the ultimate prize yeah he <laughs> certainly did but um it really was quite an amazing experience it's good to have those patriotic patriotic feelings but it's it is the and, nationalism that's the problem and let me end on that same positive note i mean we are derelict in our duty as parents if we don't teach our children the right kind of patriotism i would hope all of us could do every take every opportunity we have to to express how grateful we are for this country and for what a miracle it was that this country came about and for the the incredible people that our founding fathers were and by the same token as we come up on the 24th of july to do the same thing with these pioneer ancestors that so many of us had to to teach our children about them and about their stories and about the sacrifices to get back to that word that they made for us and the fact that what we have today is largely due to the effort and the sacrifices of these pioneer ancestors. And so just to wrap it up, just so you know, this week is Grammy Camps and I'll have a lot to say about that next week as I'm involved with these gorgeous little grandchildren. So we look forward to seeing you next time. See you next week.